How many of you are thankful your mothers chose life? Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful to have, um, I don't know if you guys know how awesome of a wife I have. I don't talk about her a whole lot, but since it's Mother's Day, uh, I want to just brag on her for just a second, then she's going to come say something. I made her, um, <laughs> but she's an amazing mother, and uh, she is probably um, there for our kids even more than I am in many ways, and uh, I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't be who I am without her. Um, we couldn't be the parents we are if she wasn't willing to do what she does, and she's a good balance for me. Uh, in, in a lot of things, especially ministry-wise, and uh, I just want to let you all know how thankful I am for my wife today, and uh, I give her honor, and I want her to come and greet you. Thank you. Today, he honors me, but I, I have to say that I'm honored to be your pastor's wife. Each one of you hold a very special place in my heart and always will. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for the examples that you set in your homes, the love that you share with your children, your family. It doesn't go unnoticed, and you have a very special place in God's heart, and you have a special place in mine as well. Today, I just want to leave just one word. If we could just encourage all of our mothers today, make a point of finding something special about them. Maybe not their appearance, how they look, but maybe some character trait that you find very attractive in them something they do that maybe nobody notices it, but maybe you could take notice today and say thank you and encourage her, uplift her. So that's your mission today is to uplift the ladies in your life, encourage them, love them, and God bless you, love you today. Today we're celebrating um, mothers, and we are also dedicating children to God. So let me say just a few things before I get into my message today. To those of you who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those of you who lost a child recently, we mourn with you. To those of you who are in the trenches with little ones every day, and you wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. Those of you who experience a loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or maybe someone ran away, we mourn with you. To those of you who walk the hard path of infertility, with the pokes, the prods, the tears, disappointment, this church walks with you. Forgive us. <clears throat> We say foolish things. We don't mean to take, take this and make it harder than it is. 
For those of you who are foster moms and mentor moms and spiritual moms, we need you. For those of you who have warm and close friendships with your children, we celebrate you. And those of you who have disappointment, heartache, and distance from your children, we sit with you. To those of you who lost your mothers this year, we're grieving with you. Those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those of you who are single and you long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you long for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex and complicated paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and we remember how you hold that child close in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to try to stop crying today. Today is a very special day at the Crossroads because not only is it Mother's Day, um, but today we will also present Cal and Jace and Kendall Lynn along with ourselves and our families to the Lord. I would like to read a scripture. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me, we're going to go to Mark chapter 10, and we're just going to read Mark chapter 10, and we'll read verses 13 through 16. This is a very well-known scripture. If you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, we acknowledge not me, but the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it reads like this, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. But his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But Jesus, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. That's the problem with most of us. We, we aren't receiving the kingdom like a little child. Amen. We make it more complicated than it has to be. And he took them up, this is my favorite part, and he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. We've just seen the miracle of life and how special this incredible process is. My message today is one of really, really great simplicity. In our text, we read, Jesus commanded them, allow the children to come to me. And so let me sum up my whole message in my title, Give Them to Jesus. Give them to Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Thank you for your presence that we feel in this place. I pray, God, that you'd speak unto us in a special way in this place. And God, we will give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this world that we live in, it is so easy to be distracted and trust in all sorts of things. But what our children need more than anything else is 
Jesus. More than the new iPad, more than the next Android tablet, amen, more than the the next video game machine that will come out, more than ponies and bicycles and all the other things that we think as children will make us happy. What children need more than anything else is they need you to give them to Jesus. How do you give your children to Jesus? Well, I'm glad that you ask. I want to give you four ways that you give your children to Jesus. There are some things that you can do to help give your children to Jesus, and I want you to consider these steps, and I want you to develop a battle plan for your family. Because you are in a war, and the world is warring for the the, the heart, the mind, and the soul of your child. And so today, let me just admonish moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, uncles, and aunts. Here's the four things that I think you can do to give your children to Jesus. There's probably more, but let's just do four. Number one, everybody say number one. Start on your knees. Start on your knees. Pray diligently for your children. I'm issuing a challenge to you. Pray pray diligently for the next 30 days for your children. Most people are already praying for their children. If you're praying two minutes a day, may I suggest that you pray five? If you pray 10, can I suggest that you would pray 20? If you want to double the amount of time uh, you are presently spending, I can guarantee you, you are going to even see some results in your children. I'm not, I'm not trying to put anyone on a guilt trip. If you don't pray for your children, start today. But if you are already praying for your children, pray more. I'm challenging myself to pray more for my children. My children are on my prayer list. I pray specific things over them every day. And I would share those with you if you would like for me to. I would definitely share those. But I, I want you to double that amount of time. Don't just ask God to bless your children, but pray specifically for them. Ask God to encourage them to be spiritually strong and morally pure and surround them with godly friends and to help them make godly choices. Pray that their choices would encourage spiritual growth. Remember that nothing of eternal value is ever accomplished without prayer. You might think I'm crazy, but I pray for my, the future spouses of my children. I pray for the the work and the ministry and whatever God has in store for them, that more than anything else that they do in life, that they would have a close relationship with Almighty God. I read this not too long ago, and it's it's so amazing. It's almost unbelievable, so I'm warning you uh, just beforehand. It's kind of hard to fact check, okay? But I'll give you, I'll tell you my source at the end. The year was 1820, and Peter Richley was a grateful man. He had survived one of the strangest and most harrowing events known to mankind. The ship which he had been traveling on sank, and he was rescued. By some strange twist of circumstance, however, this ship sank again, this second ship. And so he was rescued again, and, but the third ship sank as well, and he was rescued a third time. You're not going to believe what happened to his fourth ship. His fourth ship of passage sank as well. Unbelievably, he was rescued for a fourth time, but then his fifth ship sank. I told you, it's unbelievable. It would have been laughable had it not been so serious. On the high seas, he floated with the serene confidence that somehow God did not want him to die. And sure enough, as as if on cue, another ship came by and answered his call for help. 
This ocean liner was called the City of Leeds. It was named after its British city of origin. It was bound from England to Australia and traveled the same sea lane as Peter Richley's downed ships. The crew of the City of Leeds hoisted Peter aboard and dry clothing was given to him and Peter was, was drying off and getting taken care of and the ship's doctor comes and gives him a cursory exam and pronounces him fit and And then he asks for a very unusual favor. He says, Peter, there's a a lady on board who booked a passage to Australia. And he said, she's looking for her son who disappeared years ago. She's dying and she's asking to see her son. She knows everybody on board. And since you're the only newcomer, would you just pretend to be her son? So Peter agreed. I mean, after all, his life had been saved for a fifth time. So he followed the doctor below deck and he entered into a cabin and there on a small bed lay a frail woman with silvered hair and she was obviously suffering from a very high fever. Deliriously she was crying out, please God, please let me see my son before I die. I must see my son. The ship's doctor gently pushed the young man toward the bed and very soon, however, Peter richly began sobbing for lying there on that bed was the reason he couldn't seem to die. Here was the lifeline that had kept him from drowning five times. For lying on that bed was none other than Sarah Richley, who had prayed for ten years to reconcile to her son Peter. The ship's doctor stood in amazement, and the young man fell down by the bed and embraced the sick woman. He said, I'm here, Mom. I'm here. It's me. Within within days, the fever had completely subsided, the mother awakened to find an answered prayer seated on the edge of her bed. Now, I'm going to tell you why it's hard to track this down. The story was told by Western writer Louis L'Amour in an interview that he gave, and the story bears out the saying that the truth is stranger than fiction. In research of Louis L'Amour's website, there were additional references that bear out the story to be a true story. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you could actually prove that it was true, um, but I will say that this is this was a very interesting take on the fact that God answers a mother's prayer. Never, never, never underestimate the power of a praying mother. Your prayers have power. Some of you are sitting here today because of your mother's prayers. I'm preaching to you today. Because of a mother's prayer. So number two. Number one was what? Start on your knees. There's going to be a quiz at the end. Number two is establish boundaries. Establish boundaries. Your goal in establishing boundaries is to give your your child a sense of security through consistent understanding of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable in your home. You cannot assume that a child should know better. This ought to be for what they're listening to, for what they're looking at, for who they hang out with. Keep your children safe from the junk that this world is offering them. I've had people tell me that they want their children to be street smart. Can I just tell you that I want my children to be godly wise, not worldly wise. So explain, once you set these boundaries, explain the boundaries to your children. They don't know. You've got to explain them. You might have to tell them why 50 times. You know, 
And when they get to that, I think it's like three, four-year-old stage, guess what? Everything is why. Put your shirt on. Why? Pick that up. Why? Eat this. Why? Everything is why. And then they start really talking. Then it's, then it's like, why do we do this? And why do we do that? And why are we going here? And it's, Explain those boundaries. And, and here's the deal. At the end of your 30 days of prayer, discuss the guidelines with your, your spouse, if you have a spouse, and then have a family meeting to explain what you have decided the boundaries will be in your home. Y'all don't want, y'all don't want this kind of preaching today, I know. I'm just trying to be a good pastor, so just excuse me. This process has taken place. Your children are watching you. You want to have a good relationship with your children, right? So they have been watching you pray for wisdom, and they have been watching you discuss the guidelines. Now, let's just sit down, have a family meeting, and establish the boundaries with them, and then be consistent. I read something the other day, and I thought it was appropriate to share with you. It's, it was, it's called the meanest mother. Have you ever heard that? We had the meanest mother in the world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess, our mother fixed us a dinner that was different from the other kids, too. Mother insisted in knowing where we were at all times. You'd think we were convicts in a prison. She had to know who our friends were and what we were doing with them. She insisted that if we would be gone for an hour, that we would be gone for an hour or less. We're kind of ashamed to admit it, they said, but... Mother had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes and make the beds and learn to cook and vacuum the floor and do laundry and all sorts of other cruel jobs. I think she would lie awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. She always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, she could read our minds. Then life was really tough. Mother wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so she could meet them. While everyone else could date when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait until we were at least 16. Because of our mother, we missed out on a lot of things that other kids experience. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was all her fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things that other kids do. Sundays were reserved for church. We never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night with friends on Saturdays. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We're doing our best to be mean parents, just like mom was. And they close with this, I think that's what's wrong with the world today. Just doesn't have enough mean moms anymore. Establish boundaries. Establish boundaries. Amen. I, 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 my mother-in-law has said it. My mother said it. You know, as, as our kids get to be teenagers, it's kind of like, they, like, oh, mom, I want to be your friend. Dad, I want to be your friend. Like, you know, we'll be friends later. Right now, I'm your boss. I'm your authority. I love you, and yes, we're friends, but we will be better friends later if you understand authority now. Establish those boundaries.
Man, some of you are going, man, pastor, he's mean. All right, number three, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving quickly now. Evaluate your own life. Start on your knees. Establish boundaries. Evaluate your own life. What are they seeing in you? What kind of example are you setting for your children? It's not helpful to keep your child from listening to the empty philosophies of most secular music and media programming if you're going to entertain yourself with ungodly and unbiblical philosophies of R-rated media. You may not listen to lyrically explicit music, but what kind of music are you listening to? Usually parents justify their listening because it's more mellow than what the children are listening to. It may be mellow, but is it moral? Do yourself a favor, and your children a favor. Explain the value of Christian music. It's impossible to properly explain the value of Christian music if you aren't setting the example by your own listening habits. I mean, how can you tell your children that they should be listening to godly music if you don't listen to godly music? While we're on this, can I make a suggestion in evaluating your own life? Take them to church every week. Take them to church every week. It doesn't take long in a vibrant church full of faithful believers for our children to recognize how different they are from the unsaved community around them. That helps them to grow in their desire for Jesus and become part of the body of Christ. Did you ever notice how often our children listen to strangers better than they listen to us? So why wouldn't you want to get them around some people that are of the same mind and of the same faith and moving in the same direction spiritually as you. Amen. The impact that other believers can have on your children to introduce them to Jesus should never be underestimated. When the church reinforces what you're teaching at home, it validates the discipleship of your children and helps protect them from the lies of this world. So don't just attend the Sunday service. Throw yourself in and your family into the life of the church. My kids are I'm telling you, people are like, your kids are homeschooled, and they're so social. Yeah, because we have a great church. My kids are not in any way socially stunted. Have you met them? Right? But people are surprised. They're like, how is it? Well, it's not because of me. It's because of you. It's your fault. Oh, sorry. So the third thing is evaluate your own life. And fourthly, lastly, challenge them to think biblically. Start on your knees. Establish boundaries. Evaluate your own life and challenge them to think biblically. How do you challenge someone to think? I mean, we live in a society where most people don't think anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like they do, this, and you're just scratching your head like, where did that come from? Well, it's kind of the same thing with the church. You're like, you know, we, we have people that go to churches all over the place, and, and they do stuff, and I'm just scratching my head like, that's not, that's not biblical. That's not right. We're not supposed to act like that. So, so I've, I've, I've come to this conclusion. We need to challenge our children to think biblically. How do you challenge somebody to think? Well, you ask them questions without giving them the answer immediately. It's just like your teacher, you probably used to do at school. To get somebody to think biblically, you have to ask them a question based on a scripture or on a scriptural principle. And to get them to think biblically about entertainment, there's a good scripture I found, and I will share it with you, Colossians 2.8, because this is, this is what the world is trying to uh, enslave our children with, is media. 
Thank you for all four amens. It's true. I'm just, I mean, it is. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 in the Living Bible says it like this. Don't let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of on what Christ has said. This verse best describes today's entertainment industry. Think about it. Isn't today's music uh, some man or woman's thoughts or ideas recorded digitally? Aren't media programs on YouTube, Netflix, Redbox just somebody's thoughts and ideas about life, love, violence, rebellion, sex, and drugs recorded digitally and then fed to us through entertainment? With that understanding, here's some good questions that you can ask your children. You say, I don't know where to start. Here you go. This is where you start. Start asking them stuff like, how's your faith in Jesus? Is there a heaven? Is the Bible true? You say that your faith is strong? Good. How is your joy? Do you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control? You remember the fruit of the Spirit that's described in Galatians 5, 22 and 23? Does it radiate in your life? Some of you are like, well, that's really deep stuff, Pastor. Let's start with something a little, okay, how about this one? This is my favorite one. Tell me your favorite Bible story and act like I've never heard it before. See how well they tell the Bible story. You've got to find out if they know this stuff. You've got to challenge them to think biblically. And then another one that you can use is, quote from me the last Bible verse that you learned. If they're coming here to King's Kids, they're probably being challenged to learn a verse. Ask them what verse they learned last. They may not quote it exactly right, so quote it back to them. And guess what? It would be fun if you worked on it with them. Number one, start on your knees. Number two, establish boundaries. Number three, evaluate your own life. And number four, challenge them to think biblically. Today, we are very blessed. We have been, you know, in this place uh, celebrating moms, talking about kids, talking about the miracle of life. If you have been letting the world undermine your children, or you, or your families walk with God, I want to just challenge you, quit listening to those empty philosophies. Quit listening to that stuff that is never going to make them truly happy. You know where you're going to find true happiness, true joy, true peace? Right here, in the book, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, Amen. If your children have not been baptized in Jesus' name, if they've not repented of their sins, if they've not been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen. One of the most important things you can do is share the gospel with them. Share the good news. Amen. Share scripture with them. We share sports with them. We share hobbies with them. We teach them how to cook. Let's teach them how to think biblically and how to be good Christians. Amen. Amen. We're about to sing a little song that we sing when we show off our babies. Do you know what it is? We dedicate this baby to you, Lord. We've got two special families here today, and uh, we welcome back the Everidge family and also the Giffords, the Horns, the Hawkins, 
the Reveras. We're so glad to have all of you with us today. Such a special day. I know uh, you've had to listen to me talk a lot, and you just really wanted to see the babies prayed for. And Thank you for putting up with me today. I appreciate it. But today, I've got some helpers. Um, I've got Jessica Cooper and uh, Crystal Abbott. And Crystal's going to get Kendall in if she's available. Is she available in a minute? In, in a minute, she'll be available. And then uh, Jessica's going to get uh, Callan. And he's there with Grandma. So I don't know, probably not called Grandma, but Grammy. All right. That's what my mom's called. That's awesome. And so they're going to walk around. Please don't, you know, put your hands in the baby's faces, but please feel free to get a picture, get as close as you want. They're going, we're going to sing this. They're going to walk around and they're going to show off these beautiful babies and uh, let you get a chance to see them up close without actually having to touch them. Isn't that nice? We want you to be a part of this as well. Amen. Yes. Amen. And those of you that know this song as they come around, I want you to sing this with us because this is what we're doing. We're dedicating this baby. We're dedicating ourselves to the Lord today. We dedicate this baby to you, Lord. We dedicate this baby to you, Lord. Use them for your service, for a holy Dedicate this baby to you, Lord. Use them for your service, for a holy purpose. We dedicate this baby to you, Lord. Oh, we dedicate this baby to you, Lord. We dedicate this baby to you, Lord. Use them for your service, for a holy purpose. We dedicate this baby to you, Lord. Amen. We're so thankful to have William and Krista Gifford. This is their baby right here. This is Kendall Lynn Gifford, and uh, this is Krista's mom, is Jennifer, and we're so glad that uh, they are with us today. And then we also have um, Callan Jace. Many of you didn't know, but he's got a really cool middle name. You didn't know because just, we just call him Callan, but he's got a cool middle name, and uh, Ashton agrees with me. But it's good to have his brother, Noah. We're glad Noah's here. I asked Noah if he remembered us singing that song for him, and he said that he did. So, I said, what an incredible memory he has. Look out, he's going places. And then his grandfather, Miguel Sr., and uh, grandmother, Gisela, his auntie, Vanessa, and Cole, his cousin, 
and we are excited also to have Lanny and Cindy Horn with us. Uh, we, we, we love them. They're almost like, we, we just like having them around. They're almost like regulars now. A lot of you already know them. They're totally comfortable here with us, so we're glad that they're here. And then uh, many of you also know Josh and Ashley Hawkins, and uh, Myla and Balin are with us today as well. We're so glad to have the whole family. Amen. It's exciting. Uh, to be able to see these beautiful babies. Today, this is a very special time because in these child's lives, uh, what we're doing, this act of dedication, it tells, it's telling us several things about what the families and what the, the, the children will be raised, how they'll be raised. And it tells the Lord several things that, that they as parents believe. Number one, it tells the Lord that the child belongs to Him. We're just custodians in the care and the nurturing, but really, they belong to God. And so we got to take good care of God's property. We have to build and prepare them for the future. The second thing that it tells, this dedication, what we're doing today, tells God is it tells Him that it's His will and not ours. And whatever's best for our child's life. So if you're dedicating your child to God, let God choose their life. And then number three is that you will do your best to teach and to tell your child the ways of the Lord, like I just mentioned, to help them think biblically. This world is full of evil that is ready to fill your child's mind. But instead, you're going to fill it with God's Word. You're going to fill it with love and peace and joy, amen, and power that God can give, only God can give. So I do something special, a little special every time. I change it up a little bit every time. You'll notice Callan is just a little bit older Callan was born in September, and uh, Kendall was born in April, and so Callan's just a little bit older, so you're going to notice the difference in size here, but I'm about to do something. Can you help me? You'll notice the difference in size. Callan's is a little bit bigger than Kendall's. He's got a little bit of a head start on her. But these are, go ahead, baby. these are uh, special young, green, leafy plants. And if you'll notice what they actually, what the name of them is, it's what every new family needs. They're money trees. How many of you need a money tree? I figured since they would need a money tree, then there you go. They've got their money tree now. But this plant is a daily reminder to you guys as parents that your child is like this plant. It needs light. In fact, that one says it needs a lot of light. So I don't know if you're like me. I'm not real good with keeping things alive, but I'm challenging you. Get that plant a lot of light. It can be made to grow in any direction. Kendall is saying, not now. I am hungry, people. Come on. But every time you see the plant, be reminded that there is something far more precious in the crib that needs nurturing. Amen. If you don't, if the plant doesn't survive, it's okay. Make sure the babies survive. Take care of the babies, okay? All right. The second thing that I want to give them, if she needs mom, it's okay. Second thing I want to give them is these Bibles. They have uh, special Bibles. I used to give, we used to give, and we may still someday in the future, those little keepsake Bibles, you know, that the children will never use, right? 
Those are nice. I like those. But I also like giving study Bibles. Because when the child starts reading, then you want to give them something to study. And this is a good way to get them to study the Word. So I have two Bibles here. I have one for Kendall. And uh, this is, it's kind of girly. But it's her first Bible. Inside is a card from us and from the church and also her certificate that she's getting dedicated today. So that's for her. And then this one, look at that. That almost makes you envious, right? This is like the, probably the coolest guy Bible I have ever seen. I don't know what's cool on girl Bibles, but guy Bibles, this is a cool Bible. I will just, I just want to show you guys something. Look at those pages. Look at those pages. Noah's like, seriously, mine wasn't that cool. I tried. They didn't have these then, Noah. My bad. But I did already make the first bookmark and the first highlight in both of the Bibles. This is not a Bible that was produced by uh, our organization or anything like that. It's not a, but I, I did mark this Bible with Acts 2.38. And in the front where it tells you how to be saved, I made sure to put in there, Callan, you're listening to me, aren't you? Callan, you want to know how to be saved? Obey Acts 2.38. It's right here. Okay? So today, we've got a very special opportunity. The Bible is the handbook for raising kids. You don't believe me, do you? Some of you don't believe me. You're thinking Dr. Phil has a handbook and, you know, so-and-so has a handbook. But the Bible cannot be a handbook. The Bible is a handbook for raising kids. I can't tell you. I've said it before, but my mother used to quote scriptures to me. She would say, you know, the heart of a child is full of folly, but the rod of correction will drive it far away. She, used to, she could quote those verses to me. Spare the rod, spoil the child. If I heard that once, I heard it a million times growing up. And there are so many scriptures. Whenever I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, you know what she did? She didn't pull Dr. Phil's philosophies on me. She pulled out scriptures. So did my wife's parents. It's the guidebook for life. Whenever my children would struggle with stuff, guess what my wife would do? She'd pull out scriptures on them. Why? Because it's not about your thinking and your philosophy. It's not about the world's thinking and the world's philosophies and all the great doctors and minds of the world. It's about what does the Bible say because the Bible is the best guidebook for our lives. Amen? He's ready to take over. Look at that. So I'm going to ask for the parents, if they would, if our parents would come up here. And I'm just going to have you stand up here with us. Just up here in the front. Have them face you guys holding these beautiful babies. I'll tell you what, why don't you guys step up here? Because if you step down there, William, you're going to look pink. And I don't want that to happen to you. So... Step on up here. So I'm going to ask you guys a few questions. If you, if you do, say we do. Okay? Are you ready? Not to put you on the spot, but... Do you now present your children before God in solemn dedication? And do you consecrate yourselves as parents to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? 
Do you promise to instruct them in the teachings of Jesus Christ in the practice of prayer and to guide them in the development of a Christ-like character? And do you promise to try to the best of your ability to shape their home life both by family devotion and by your words and your example that they will at the proper age most naturally come to a relationship with Jesus Christ and into the fellowship and service of the church? All right. Now, church family, I want you to stand. I want you to receive your charge. Will you do all that you can to provide and support a place of instruction where these children may hear the whole counsel of God? Will you covenant together as a family to set an example by your lives and to maintain an atmosphere which will inspire them to desire to live for God so that these children may walk in the abundant life that Jesus offers? Do you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ to help these parents be faithful to God and to teach and train these children in the ways of the Lord. Will you do as God leads you and pray for their salvation? If you will, say, with God's help, we will. Amen. Psalm 71 says, and this is our prayer, this is what we hope that uh, Callan and Kendall will someday be able to say, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can go always. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Amen. So this is what I want. I want for our families, if, if both families could come, we're just going to come stand up here along the front, and then I'm going to ask for some of our elders uh, to come, and we're going to pray over these families today, amen, and over these babies, and we're going to bless them, amen, and God is going to be with them as they continue this journey. Jesus, we thank you, God, right now. We ask you to gather in around, stretch your hand out. We ask you right now, God, to touch each one of these precious children. God, for Kendall, Lord, for Callan. God, we thank you, Jesus, for these families. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives. We thank you, God, for their desire today to see their children dedicated to you. We pray, God, right now that you would move in a special way in their lives. And God, that you would anoint and empower them to be the parents that you are calling them to be. We pray, God, for your peace and your joy to be in their home. We pray, Lord Jesus, for protection to be around their children, Lord Jesus, and on their family. We know, God, that you have ordained this day, Lord Jesus. You have set forth this time, God, that these children, Lord, can have these wonderful parents and these wonderful families and this church family, God, to surround them and support them. And God, we pray your blessings upon them, God, to give them everything that you have intended for their life. God, not for them to just be uh, 
worldly wise, but God, for them to be everything that you have intended them to be spiritually. God, we thank you, Lord, and we give you the praise and the glory for Callan. We give you the praise and the glory for Kendall Lynn. We thank you, God, for bringing them this far. And God, we know that you are going to keep your hand upon them in the days ahead. We thank you, Lord, for these wonderful families. We pray, God, for grandmas and grandpas today. We pray, God, for the aunts and the uncles. We pray, God, for the cousins. Lord, we want you, God, to move in a special way in their lives. We know, God, that you are doing amazing things in these families. And God, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He is just mesmerized. He's like, I've never seen somebody this goofy looking. Aren't these beautiful babies? Amen. I'm going to let them be seated. You can, you guys, please feel free to congratulate them. Thank them for being part of this today. We're so happy. We love you, buddy. Yeah, we love you. We're so glad you're feeling better. Yeah. We're so glad you're feeling better. You look so good. You're a handsome dude. Yeah, you're a handsome dude. Amen. I'm so thankful and grateful, amen, for each and every one of you and what God is doing in our church. I'm just, I know that there are so many things that you could be doing on a Sunday, and uh, some people make it a point to make sure that they are in the house of God as much as they can be. Thank you, because you're only helping yourself by doing that, amen? So today, we, we just want to just take a moment and just thank all the mothers for being a part of our service. Those of you, uh, you ladies, we're glad that you're here. Don't go anywhere yet. We got some flowers we want to hand out and uh, we want you to take a flower before you leave. Uh, but we're going to just take just a moment and um, I'm looking for, I don't know where Vanessa, is Vanessa coming? Oh, you're coming. I'm sorry, Tyrese is coming at this time and uh, she's going to encourage you to fill out the rest of your connection card. Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, so like Pastor said, I just want to take a second um, and remind you to fill out your connection card um, if you haven't already done so. Um, just fill in any information that you feel comfortable in sharing. We won't spam you or anything. Um, just We'll just send you some uh, occasional updates to keep you updated on what's happening here um, at the crossroads. On the back, um, there's a next step portion if you just want to check one of those um, and say what you're going to do. If you want to join us as we read